0: Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood.
1: Hey guys, it's Fashan, and as we're officially in Black History Month, we thought we would do something a little different on this month's podcast. Here on Dope Black Women, we're all about elevating black women and sharing their stories. So this month, myself, Leanne and Liv will be sharing the podcast with some people that we admire for them to tell their stories too. I wanted to bring on some guests that are really close to me to talk about belonging, determination and overcoming obstacles. I thought, who better to have this conversation with than my very own family? So to share their experience of Black Britain, I'm joined by first and foremost, my nan, who's with me on the podcast.
2: Hi, girl! <laughs>
1: <laughs> His, for Context is in her 60s. You've heard me talk about her before on the podcast before as well, but since there's older ears here, I'm not going to explain why. <laughs> Um, something I admire a lot about my nan is her drive to always perfect her craft. And even now she's retired, she's still exploring and testing things out. And I think that definitely rubs off on me too. And then to my left, I have my great gran, who I just call gran, who's on the podcast, who's in her 80s.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what I love about my gran in particular is that she's got a really big heart. She's really intuitive and she's one of the most caring people I know. She sets a real precedent for what it means to be a dope black woman or a dope black mum. So on today's podcast, I'm going to be exploring Black Britain through the eyes of my nan and gran. So gran, how did you get here? <laughs> I'm joking. No, but seriously, I was talking to nan earlier today about whether or not you came in the windrush. rush, if you're a part of that generation, and I was a bit confused with whether that applies to you or not. So, how did
2: you come to England? I came here in 1957. I came on a boat that they call Arapina boat. Mm -hmm. Yes. A lot of people came on it. A lot of passengers.
1: And what was it that made you want to come to England? Well, I came here to do designing and dressmaking. And was there stuff going on in Jamaica that forced you to come here? Or was it like you just wanted to come over?
2: No, I was doing dressmaking there before mm-hmm. and um, I want to explore my experience more um, so that's why I came here. And what expectations was you
1: did you have of England before you came?
2: Well I thought it was a nice place and you know it was exciting but when I came it was different.
3: <laughs> what made you think it was nice though man what did you hear about it? Well, it's a
2: new country, it's a different country, and the point about it is this, that um, you've been in your country of birth, and you want to explore, you want to know, you want to um, get to know somewhere that is different, because I never travelled before, so I thought here was the best place, coming to England was good.
3: Did a lot of people talk about it too you, how exciting it was? I mean, did you hear those stories about streets paved with gold and all that? <laughs> no the people used to believe that Literally. No, I mean this
2: says um it's a place where you could get jobs you can mm-hmm. you you know you can um you gain new experience you know you can expand more in your experience mm-hmm. or your skills. educational wise and things like that okay. because um Jamaica was um a part of the Commonwealth at that time. Mm. So it was, you know, easy to get here and things like
1: that. And for those listening, what, what, what is the Commonwealth? For someone yeah. listening who doesn't understand
2: what that means, what the is Commonwealth, the Commonwealth? But the, the, the Queen was the head, was the leader, mm-hmm. leading force in Jamaica.
1: So you was, you was in Jamaica, you came over here at what age? 22. And you thought it was going to be a really exciting experience for yes. you to do your designing. Yes. Did, did England live up to its expectations? No,
2: because when we came here, we suffered, uh, When I came here, I suffered a lot of racism, mm-hmm. you know? And um, it is something that one I have to cope with. I just wanted us to go back mm-hmm. to Jamaica, you know? But in the end, um, you try to fight it all the best way you possibly can. But it wasn't pleasant as black people.
1: Do you remember your first experience of racism
2: my first experience is getting on the bus, and when you get on the bus, you sit beside people that pull their up from you, they don't want to sit beside you because wow. being black, you know. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you to go back where you come from. Wow. And I said, I'm not going back where I come from because I come, I come <laughs> for what you have taken away from our country.
1: <laughs> you know what's crazy is that I still yeah. experience stuff like that now. Yeah. So yes. you'd think that that was the 1950s yes. and it's now yes. like 70, 80 years onwards. Yes. But I still have that now. Like yes. I was talking to my friend last week about not even now during COVID. Yes. pre Before the corona yes. and all yes. of that, yes. Yes. I'd get on the train and sit next to someone and they would get up and move yeah. away and sit next to somebody else yes. so if they were, do if they moved away to an empty seat where nobody yes. was on either side of them i would yes. assume they want their own space Yes. but for you to go and sit next to a white person yes. it's quite it's definitely formative. because of my blackness yes. Yes. yes do you get what i mean yes. it was, so it's it, quite sad actually that It still it, happened, not man. a lot changed
2: yes it was really it was really terrible in the 50s when i came here we're black a black is concerned, because for instance if you are working at the same place where somebody's working and you buy a car, you can sure the next Monday morning, if you go and they know that you have a car, you'll get the sack. Because they are saying, if you are working the same wages like what they are working, how can you afford to buy a car? So more, you find most people in those days, <clears throat> if they have a car and they drive it to work, they have to hide it into a back street.
3: Wow. Really? Yes.
2: Yes. Because... You are working the same wages as me, you know, and how can you manage to buy a car? I don't get that though. Yeah, but the, the thing deal with it and you the you, money, you think me. you think the moment the thing about it is, you are working the same wage, and they are wondering, how oh, you can able to buy a car. It simply means that they will go to the pub, they smoke, they That's drink, right. and do That's what, what, what. And you, as a person, you don't drink or anything like that. So say, because mm-hmm. of that you were able to have more you you know you're able to you can put away mm-hmm. something. Is that you know is that something that was um
1: is that something that apply to you because you're Christians you don't really drink or is that widely across the black a lot people? A yeah. lot of
3: people
2: never drink because you
3: see what happens. Have yeah. cups in You find
2: it's the, the culture here. Yeah. A lot of people smoke.
1: Yeah. Mm. And a
2: lot of people drink. Really and and coming, in from, coming from the west indies no coming from the west indies pubs. a lot of a lot of people ever smoke and drink you know is no. when they came here they adopt the principle really yes yeah. they adopt the culture True. because in in our country you understand to I me mean? maybe this generation here now does it mm. but um you're hard to find people smoke a lot
1: mm. that's you know? quite
2: interesting you know they, they, they didn't have pubs in jamaica either did they They call it bar that's (laughs) that's right yes they will have bar but i mean a few people and now you find that um those things are more 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 now in jamaica you understand what i mean yeah but when i was growing up you never have a lot of fun people drink and all those Mm -hmm. sort of things and a lot of people black people come in this country they adopt the culture
3: here to smoke I had to go to pub and all of those things. But, Mum, based on what you just said, do you think that one of the reasons why um, a lot of people in Jamaica didn't drink or smoke was to do with their Christian upbringing? Because would you say that Jamaica is a much more of a God-fearing country than when you came over here and experienced um, yes. the pubs and whatever? Yes,
2: in a sense, it's a God-fearing country. And you know, you have a lot of people that wasn't Christian, not because it was a God-fearing country, but they don't drink. Because, for instance, when it comes to coffee, mm. my parents grow coffee and they sell coffee, but they didn't allow us to drink coffee. Why no. Because Because coffee is a drug, it's not good for you. Right. Really? And yes, and they would never give us coffee to drink. Do you drink it now? No. no, she doesn't. We will go, they, they cultivate it, and we would even go to the field sometime and help them pick the coffee, mm. you know, beans, mm. coffee beans. But we, ne- we never wasn't given coffee because said it affects your brain.
1: So, Nan, we both gave our, well, Granny gave her first experience of racism, and I spoke about how it relates to what I still experience till this day. Yes, but yes. What, what, for you, what was your experience of racism like? My fair first.
3: Enough? It's hard to say because there's so many different variations of it. Some of it was kind of like, um, in a, inadvertent you, do, you, you didn't realise it was happening and I think my first experience of racism that I can actually remember and understand as racism was when I was in secondary school and I think a lot of people will resonate with this black people where I was told even though I had the skills and the ability, yeah. that my job, this is what the career officer told me, I'm going to be working in Woolworths. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what I was told. Yes, yes. And if I was a stupid person and believed what she said, mm-hmm. that's where I probably would be working. Right, that's why they tell all black people. But it sharing. sounds like it must have been a mantra at the time because there's a lot of black people I've spoken to since then have said the same thing. Oh, God, that's what I was told. Yeah, what,
1: actually, Woolworths in particular as well. Well, yeah. I think
3: they said it was Woolworths.
1: But something, like retail. Yes. Or, or something yeah. like retail. Or something like retail. So you go to the careers
3: office for them to help you to decide what you're going to do with your future if you wasn't sure. Yeah. And all the black kids were told Woolworths. Yes, yeah. And I have got to realise as a, you know got older that it was I wasn't the only one that a lot of other black kids were told that it's, it's so that was my first experience of racism and it was institutionalised as far as I'm concerned in that they tell a lot of black children that, that you was didn't that realise thing, that that was but that you when ha- you
1: think about that now and look at society now yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense into how like wealth is spread because yes. if you think about it there's a lot of people I know who like I want to be an actor. Or I want to be this. I want yeah. to be that, and their parents would be like, "You can't be that, or yeah. you can't be this." Yeah. And I look because my mum's so different to that yeah. approach. I would look at that and be like, "Why is your mum being like that, or why yes. is your parents being like that?" Yeah. But actually, if they grew up in an environment where the white teachers or whoever kept um, being demeaning towards them and making them feel like they couldn't do it, yeah. it's it's it's, like, ingrained in them that black people can't do these roles. Yeah, exactly. It was um, successfully, at, at yeah. least. But, Granny, so you came over here at 22. mm mm-hmm. Who did you come here with? I came over with my sister. Just
0: one sister?
2: My sister and her husband. She was married. So yeah. what was the reason why they were coming over? Well, you know, <clears throat> finding the difficulty in Jamaica, you know, we job-wise and concerned. First, my father came over first, mm. and my father only spent a year and six months here, because he never liked it here, he never liked how men treat women, and um, he never liked that, you know, some of the men, they leave their wife in Jamaica, and they come over here, and they have other relationship and things like that, and he never liked it, and so he sent for my sister, mm. and then after my sister came, our husband came. Mm. and even when I was to come over here, it was a difficult decision for my father to make Mm -hmm. because he said he don't like, you know, how people come here and live, and he don't like how men treat women, and eventually my sister was here and received me here. So
1: when you came here, you said that you wanted to come over to... um do that designing. Yes. That's that line of work. Yes. So when you first came, yes. was that your first job? What was the type of work you do? Yes, your first my first mobile?
2: job was to work with um designers, bridal gowns in the West in the West End. The the West West End. End. I chiefly work in the West End with people that does designing and things like that. Mm. But it's sad to say, I never have the privilege to achieve what I want to. Achieve because I got married at 23.
1: And designed Within 16. a year? Yes. You're fussy. <laughs> mm-hmm. No way.
2: Grand came over here 20 to 20 start a life, have built a career. Yes. And she came here and got married within a year. Yes, 23. <laughs> yeah. And then I I start having um, children. And um, I could not be able to, you know, achieve my desire that I wanted was to do my... But you my did plans, kind of, you know... But yet, still, I'm able to do a lot of things Mm that relates to it. Something related because I work with a lot of designers. Laura Hushley. And all those different type of people that I work with.
1: Yeah, because I'm surprised her, to hear you say that. Because yeah. my mum always talks, we, well, both my mum and Nan. Yes. But my mum in particular, because she tells me stories about you making her suits and yes, stuff like yeah, that. Oh to go yes, out. Yes, yes, so yeah. I feel
2: like you still was able to express oh, yeah. that passion. Oh, yes. But, oh, yes. but, oh, yes. Yes. but life, life just changed, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I guess that happens for like, everyone. Like, say that you don't want to do that and go to London School of Fashion and all the, those things. And have a certificate and things like that. Although I never do that. But I had a wide experience because I work with a lot of designers. Yeah. And um and they all want want me back. So I spent many years in, um, clothing trade. I mean, just as working for designers and things like that. And then after start having my children, I I still work from home. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Was, did you go in business? Uh, no, no, no. Work so did... for work for designers and different um. Golden trade from home.
1: I was yeah. saying a minute ago that you made mum's dresses, yes. but you've actually made things for me as well. Because I remember when I had my prom outfit, yes, yes, <laughs> I came yes, to you, about yes. designs. We went yes. to in
0: yes. and
1: got all the materials, and you made it exactly how I wanted it. Yeah, yeah. And even the other day when I was going to the costume yes. party, and I asked you to fix
2: my yes, my yes. outfit for me.
1: Yeah,
2: but like well, I, I saw for um, I saw for a lot of. People privately. Yeah, I do a lot of weddings. For yeah. the years, I will turn out for four brides for the year.
3: Mm. Yeah, I'm you
2: know. But what was your biggest culture shock coming here? Um, the biggest shock. It's. Um, I love a family. I love. I love to have a family, and I love my children very much. And the biggest shock is to know that. I mean, I have a broken marriage. Hmm. You know, and my dream was shattered because um I remember once we um away from having the family home, we um deposited a home. It has a shop. The what home? It has a shop. We were going to buy a place and this it, it, this place has got a shop and um in enough rooms and whatever it is. And all my intention was to to have a, a shop, you know, that I make my own things and clothes and all those sort of things and we reach as far as to sign the contract and then the person withdrew. I
3: didn't know this story mom. Yeah and the person oh, wow. withdrew
2: and then I never able to do that but all my intention was to have a business to mm. work for myself because I mean, to said I have the skills could do it mm.
3: you know. But in a way Mum, even though you didn't get to do that you did kind of lived that dream because I remember growing up, we were never... Um, short of anything because you were always working in terms of the amount of people that came to me yes, to oh, commission yes. them to make clothes. I yeah. remember growing up, right, Roshan? Yeah. And um, my friends being jealous of me because I could look in a magazine and say, "Mom, can you make this for me? And she'd just rust yeah. it up and I'd have the latest outfit. <laughs> yes. Like yes, walking. Yes. Every time we had to go somewhere special, Mum, can you make this for me? Always, all always the time. New clothes, all the time I I but Look, had you,
1: look how old jokes that is that I do that to you now. Yes, I do. Do you know, every yeah. time it's carnival, yes. I play t-shirt mass, yes. which basically, do you know what that is?
2: Yeah. No, no, no. So
1: it's like, when it's carnival, all the floats go down. Yes. And then the yeah, people dress up in their, like, bikini outfits. Yes, yes. Don't worry, I don't do that one. Yes. But there's one where you wear, like, a t-shirt. Yes. So everyone has the same top, and then you customise it. Yeah. So I always go to Nan every single year without film. Yes, yes. And she customises it for me, and she makes it into, like, uh, patterns on my shorts and yes, stuff. Yes, So it's interesting how it's all trickled down. Yeah. yeah. But, you know... It's, when I think about being black in Britain or in the UK... Yeah. A, bit, a lot of my blackness is expressed when I'm with my black friends. Yes. Or when I'm with, like, people that either are like me in race or are like me in class. Yeah. And I feel like f- without that community of black people... Yeah. It would be, England would be a really hard place to navigate. Yes. Even in terms of thinking about microaggressions and yeah. institutionalised racism, like what Nam was talking about. Yeah. Having a, a person that's black to outlet that with...
2: Yeah.
1: Has a does a lot of um, has a lot of good benefits for your mental health. Yeah. Do you get know what I mean. So when you came over here, it was the, it wasn't how Britain is now in terms of how diverse
2: it is. Yes. So what was it like with connecting with other black people? It it um, make you feel like you belong because I mean you said in the fifties and the sixties, if you are going to live somewhere, you make sure that you know somebody black mm. is around you. You understand what I mean? Because what was happening? If this street here is pure white people living on this road, yeah, and you came under house, you came next door, and you buy a house next door to them, they sell their house. Really? Yes, because yeah. they says that you're bringing down the, the street. The price oh my gosh. Black people. That's not. That. Yes, black people have suffered a lot of racism here, and the point about it is this. I believe the the people in Britain, the English, should respect black people coming here mm. because we do a, a lot. lot of the
3: work that they did. We do. are we
2: build up this country and do a lot. When I came here, when their milkman come and buy bread, they put it on the step.
3: Yeah.
2: And they never used to Wrap them. protect it, <laughs>
1: <coughs> they'll put the open bread on the stair, yes. of course. And who ate it? You, uh, no, <laughs> Eat it. Once.
2: They take it up <laughs> then the fish and chip shop, they were wrapping fish and
3: chips in, in newspaper. newspaper. You understand? But I'm so you? confused. Yes, yes, that's yes. how the fish and chips used <coughs> to be presented. Even when I was growing up, I remember that.
2: And the houses, Fish and chips was why? wrapped in newspaper well, because you're black or for
3: everyone? No, for everyone.
2: everyone. Oh, and the is, when you buy a house. You have to put your bath in. I mean, it says, oh, yeah. black, I mean, white people, English people should respect black people yeah. coming to this country because they never used to have baths in the house. They have those Is big they, baths? Baths. <laughs> they have these big pants. You know, the, the, the like big, the, sil- the silver yeah. pans. Yes, yeah. the big yeah. silver pans. That's what they used to have. They never used to have bath in their house. So you find that when a black person buys the house, they have to put baths in there the wash base and all those sort of things but in the, Cari-
1: in the caribbean is is baths and showers a thing because i know like yes
2: sir, the people, or was it yeah. more like what um what's it called bucket baths yeah no people no people who don't have those facilities they have the river where they go to swim and wash and have the bath and yeah. things like that we're accustomed to wash we're accustomed to water mm-hmm. you understand me but when you buy a house used to buy a house here in the 50s and the 60s. Mm-hmm. You have to put bath in there.
3: You have to put oh, I get what you're
2: saying. Because of their
1: cleanliness, yes. you're putting it in. Yes. yes. Oh, that's yes. not...
3: Hygiene was very difficult. Hygiene
1: what if you look at COVID now, yes, and they're, they're saying, wash your hand for 20 yes. seconds, excuse Definitely.
2: me. We, <laughs> we
3: didn't, do we that didn't that need to know time. that.
2: <laughs> and when you, when you came here, you couldn't get good clothes and all those things to buy in the shops. You understand me? Yeah, no. Black people has done a world of good to this country. Mm. The hospitals, the everything. Mm. You understand me? And in the fifties and the sixties coming up, black kids has to work very hard to achieve. Because for instance, um, when Paul it was going to school and they had um they had um, science class, mm-hmm. right? And she was in the, the hall was in the science class. So what, what, what they did that day, I don't know, some experiment they did. And Paul, you know, Paulette can laugh. Mm. And Paulette laughed. And because she laughed, she was sent out of the class. Mm. So I get ready and I went over to school. <laughs> and when I went over there, I said to, said to the teacher, um, I understand you, you send out, send out my daughter what she has done. Because we have Santa Claus and she laughed in the class. I said, um, "Wasn't was she alone the only one that laughed in the class?" She said, "No." So, so I said, "Why didn't you send home the others?" Because she laughed the loudest. You understand me? And I remember I give her a little bit of it today. and after you know I just cried to see the injustice, and she says to me, "Do you want somebody to walk you home?" I said, "No, I am fine." You understand what I mean? Mm. And. These are the things that happen to our children, mm. you understand? Our children in those days... Because other kids were white, I'm assuming. Yes, they yeah. suffer a lot of racism in school. You understand what I mean? And whatever they achieve, they have to work very hard, hard. for it. Yeah. I remember one of the teachers tell Joseph he wants to do... Um, what they call it, they never call it GCSE in that time. CSE. Yes, whole the, levels, the highest All levels. Yeah. And it was in French, and she said, no, he's not going to do it. He can't do it in French. He's going to do it. He cannot do that mm-hmm. exam in French. He must do the lower grade. You understand yeah. And he says, mommy, speak to them, because if I cannot do it in the higher grade, I'm not going to do it. You mm-hmm. understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what and happened? happened? And so, yes, he get to do it in the higher grade. And when he, he, he passed and get the top mark in it, she couldn't look in his face. Mm-hmm. imagine.
3: Do you know, Mum, it's funny, because a very similar story happened to Roshan's mum. Yes. Venetia. Yes. And I don't know if she ever told you it. Yes. But when she was at school and she was doing um, her lessons and I went to one of the parents' evenings. Yes. They told her categorically in front of me, she's not going to get history. Yes. She's going to fail it. Yes. My daughter came out with an A. Yes. Right? And she didn't... She didn't even put a lot of effort in. Yes, but yes. it kind of shows you how they can yes manipulate you, make yes. you feel that yes. you're not worthy. This yes. co- this
1: conversation is so interesting. How yeah. we all have the same experience, Yeah. but it's also it's quite like sad. It still yeah. happening. It's been. sad though because it is. I felt like this year I've seen a lot of change with the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, yeah but, but it's, it's not a long way to go. Not like but. it's not you guys' fault, but now I'm talking to you, I'm like, well, what change is there really? Because yeah. when I was in Year Six, mm. you have to do your exams before you leave for school. Yeah,
3: yeah,
1: yeah. and. So just when I when my mom first moved to the area she lives in now, yes. if you remember it was extremely white. Yes. And I was one of the only black black, black people in my whole year. Yeah. And I went through a lot of horrible experiences. Yes, at yes. the time I can't I not like directly say it was racism. Yeah. But I was definitely singled out a lot. Even yeah. in terms of like being on the committee to sort out the final like Yes Six play, yes. having a part and yes. before being told you're not in the play anymore. Yes. Like things like that, yeah. Yes. And I remember they told me that I was below average. Ab- they put on my report, because I used to, I, you know I've always been into academics. Yes. So I used to always read my school report before my mum. Yeah. <laughs> and it said I was below average in maths. Yes. And I was thinking, how can I be below a- average in maths? Like, below, not even average, yes. below average. And I knew I was never failing in any of my subjects. Yes. So I was really confused. And I, I took it, and everything else was really high. So I thought, okay, I'll just leave it at that. But... The teacher definitely downmarked me because yes. that was the end of year six, yeah? Yeah. And then I had to take entr- entrance exams yes. to get into my co- my secondary school. Yeah. And in my secondary school, I was in top sets for everything. Yes. And they based that off of your entrance exam. Yeah. So how come my entrance exam put me in top set yes. number one? Not even yes. three or four, number one. Yes. But my um, um SATs or whatever it was I yeah. took at that time, my teacher thought I was below average. Like, it was, it's just a bit crazy because... If you don't have the right back end and the right community and family behind you, you can see how people will fall into disbelief. Exactly.
3: And that's probably why a lot of our um, black people through the ages have failed because they've taken as gospel what's been told to them by their white counterparts. You can't do this, you're going to fail at this. You're no good. Mm. And you start thinking that way. Yes, That's self-fulfilling yes. prophecy. And yes. if, this, if you think about it, what we've just talked about here is like a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of it's happened to mum's child, it's happened to my child yes. and it's happened to you. Yes. And it's actually quite scary that you think that... Yes you know, through the ages, that people would learn from each other and and how better. to make things better. Yeah. But you don't. It's just they've found different ways to actually yeah, cover up yeah. their racism. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah? And then
3: they use these... What's the passion? Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> and then they use these words yes. to make you feel like they care. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and when, what, see, I think it was in the 80s it came around with the word, the, the, the political, political correct? Yeah, yes. right. Just to make you happy. That's why you said that, yeah? Mm. So with things like you can't say this and you can't say that. Yeah. And now we've got the woke movement Oh, really
2: irritates me. That irritates me as well.
0: Really yeah. irritates me. Can you shut up, please? <laughs> I but really even, hate now,
2: that. even now, in 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 this this some um, century that we are living in, e- even if the black kids is very intelligent and bright. They have to fight for what oh. they get because oh, if you are so working don't. in an organization and you have the same quality, you 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 have the same quality experience or your education, the same education like the white. Instead of that, they have a vacancy going. They're rather to promote the white more than to promote you. All mm. the time. You understand? All it? the time. Yes. So you see what happened. This is an ongoing thing and um, racism still exists, but they have it under cover like, and if you're not alert, believe, you believe, said, well, they are for Every you or whatever side. it is, mm. what you, you, you have to, your eyes have to be open to it.
1: This is the Dope Black Women Podcast. What are some of the biggest challenges, or what is the biggest challenges, you
2: think you had to overcome growing up black in the UK? You, you, first, you have to identify who you is and, and what you want and to identify that you are just that's human just like anyone else. The only difference it is. And that's what every black person should get, or a black kid should get into their, their mind that, the only difference with us is the pigment of our skin.
3: Yeah. Mm. but
2: we are all the same. Absolutely. You understand? We are all the same. Mm. It's different. The pigment of our skin makes us different. Mm. But we are all the same human being. And you know, you have to determine in your mind to say that I can achieve anything just like anybody else. Mm. You understand what I mean? And if you if you have that focus in your mind, you understand me? You will reach where you want to reach. Never you let. I mean because of the person color of their skin they're going to put you down and what i get to find the the the, the white person who troubles a lot and mix with people they are different from those who never have traveled that's very true and that's to do with them because the trouble coming away they're able to eat people food and different food they know the culture they know everything so the person who who uh, travels a lot and mix with different nationalities, you find they are more acceptable. Mm. Because in Jamaica, you have a lot of white people living there. And they, when they have people working with them, they would call them the maid, as you would call them, say, a helper here or a cleaner, they call them maid there. With their cheek, they may have to call their children miss. Mm-hmm. Yes. Really? Yes. And, and in, in, in Jamaica, you still have white people was living in a, on a country that racist because we when Jamaica was, was governed by the, the, the British, you understand what I mean? Yeah. You have a place that they call King Street. You understand me? When you're going down King Street, you have to dress up. Just, is that like, in, just like you're going in Harrods. Yeah. You understand what I mean? Yeah. When you go down King Street, a lot, lot of those stores owned by the whites and English and things like We're that. in Jamaica? Yes. And the point about it is, when you go down there, if you're not a brown skin... You understand That's me? the other thing. From your skin lighter, you can't get a job down there. Really? The lighter your skin was, is the more
3: privileged yes, you and were. You, and your
2: hair has to be long and Did you, know that? you look. And you find that girls used to bleach themselves. Bleach themselves yeah. to, to, you know. The, the girls, they used to bleach themselves to get color. Mm. You understand me? Yeah. To, to, um, yeah. to get jobs down there. And you find that Jamaicans, when they work with the British, they have to call their children miss.
1: So, you, you touched on colorism there. Yes. Which is something that's still yes. very wide oh, today. today. It's very, very today. Today. So, you're obviously a bit darker than me.
2: Yes. What was
1: your experience with colorism like but growing I know up? am no problem because I didn't have to go and work for them. <laughs> no, but in general, like, did, did you experience that when you were in the UK amongst other black people?
2: No. Yes, sometimes you find that even our own black people, them lighter and have a little color. Mm. You understand what I mean? And they feel like they're the more superior. The, yes, than you. Yeah. Because like
1: now, growing up, that's yeah. a very um, big issue yes. amongst young black people. Yes. yes, yes.
2: Some of them going for the colour. And the point about it is this. What most of the girls them used to do, they used to bleach themselves. Sad. But you can see it, you know. When yeah. I go shopping
1: or I'm out and about, you can see who's bleached. Because their knuckles don't change. Yeah. Yes, they're really, really dark. Yes, or their yes. kneecaps are really, really dark. Yes. Or they like the, the yes, point of their yes, elbows. Yes, yes. It's, it's sad.
2: Yeah, please yourself. Well, Jamaica was populated with a lot of English people, a mm. lot of English, and and King Street, that's the shops down there, lot. When you're going down Queen Street, you have to put yourself together nice. So do you remember it quite vividly, being in Jamaica, and then lots of white people coming over? He, he, said, he, "I I I realized that a lot of them was living there because you can see that they had business there mm. because you know because we were under the British colony, colony, don't it? Yeah, you understand me. So a lot of white people was living there. Mm. Yes, mm. and I believe that I mean, just said when they becomes independent, some of them come back, and you you have some of them still live there still. So we spoke about obstacles for a bit." Yes. And I think we can all relate to the
1: type of obstacles we've experienced growing yes, up, yeah. black in the UK. Yeah. But Nan, for you, where you've had the experience of yeah. um, that teacher telling you you should have worked in Woolworths, uh-huh. for a lot of people that could have like, really became their reality. Yeah. But what was it for you that kept you determined to drive and get to the success you did in your career? I, re- I know your story from how you like, started in the college, where you started from to yeah. where you ended up. Yeah, so yeah. for people listening, maybe give a touch on that from where you started to where you ended up, and then talk about
3: what the determination was. What, 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 drove, what drove you to do that? So when I left school, um, primary school, and went on to secondary school, I didn't do very well in secondary school as well as I could have because of two reasons. Mum moved me out of a school which I really loved and put me in a school which was OK, but it was not as good as the school I went to without going too much into Why? Um, And she took me out for a reason, because there was an incident that happened, not to do with me, but an incident. Um, And so I didn't enjoy secondary school, but I also didn't enjoy the fact that I didn't feel I was being taught, yeah? Mm. So I didn't come out with a lot of qualifications at secondary level. Um... And then I had a period in my life where I was, without going into it too much, because that's for another podcast, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> where I had a rebellious um, period in my life um, and got in trouble with the law and stuff. But what was the driving force that allowed me to realise my potential was mum, because I think the very first thing that happened was, I would say, that she never gave up with me dis- despite my rebellious life. And what she did was... I remember this very clearly, I don't know if you remember, one of the first things you did was you actually got me a job to be a nurse, do you remember mm-hmm. that mum, in, in a hospital not too far from here, and um, I was supposed to start on a Monday and I didn't go, because I thought I'm not going to spend the rest of my life looking at blood, no way, that's not what I want to do, um, and then I met your granddad, and things started to change, I became more settled, and I then started to realise where my skills and potential was, because being pregnant with your mom, I then realized that my strengths were in design because mm. I bought a knitting machine because I was bored and it just went on from there but so I went to college and i did uh what did I do I did some a levels and the A levels then got me um, in to do uh b tech and when I did the b tech, I then applied to this art college, which at the time, this was in the 80s, black people don't go there. Mm. And they were saying, yeah, getting in there. Mm. Let me tell you something. You oh, got wait, in famously, there. <laughs> I actually, you, only, you, you have to bring a portfolio for this art college interviews, right? One portfolio. Your nan bought two big portfolios. <laughs> they never said no. They took me and they told me on, on day. In fact, I think I was about 25 at the time. So they saw me as a mature student. I remember them asking me, how are you going to feel um, being around young children? And I remember saying to them something very stupid, like, oh, I just feel that I've been, I'm being a mother figure, which was true in a way, because I did end up being that. But um, anyway, to cut a long story short, I um, did achieve, and I went to one of the top art colleges that's really hard to get into, and um, then, once, as soon as I graduated, I managed to get like, four teaching jobs, and I didn't plan to do teaching. Mm. I planned to be a designer. But I fell into it, and I think the reason why I fell into it is because when I was doing my degree, I realised I loved sharing my skills, and people enjoyed
0: learning coming to you. me and
3: learning from me, and mm. I realised I really enjoyed it. So I took up these teaching jobs, um, and then um, I started a knitwear business as well. So alongside the knitwear business, I did... Um, the teaching to supplement the knitwear business. Then I had my second child, Nathan, um, and realised that I couldn't cope with the business and the teaching, so I gave up the business and took up more teaching once Nathan got a bit older. And I never aspired that I would climb the ladder I did. I didn't kind of say, like, 30 years ago, I want to be a head of department. But I think, through determination, hard work, commitment, and a passion as well, and also most importantly, loving to working with children, not children, but students who had low aspirations and making them realize that they could um achieve you know just like anyone else mm. if they just know what their passions are, that was I found that was my calling, and so for thirty years of my adult life, I was in education and my drive was to help students, in particular black students. I did help white students as well, don't get me wrong, because I, I treated them all the same. But I made sure that those students that other teachers wrote off, I showed them that you can do it. And I can proudly say that I got a lot of students onto degrees who other students said teachers said they wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to get onto mm-hmm. degrees. Do you,
1: think, do you think... You spoke about a minute ago, or you touched on... Part of the passion being helping people to basically yeah. see their full potential. Yeah. Do you think that passion came from you realizing
3: that you didn't get that experience? It's absolutely, absolutely. I I think I wanted to, to um. Ensure that history didn't repeat itself from my point of view, and that mm. I was helping to help students who people are writing off and saying they know no good, they're never gonna get anywhere in life, and letting them realize you are good. And you are going to get somewhere you've just got to believe. You've just got to be aspirational. And I think one of the key things I always used to do with my students and it worked was, what do you love doing the most? Mm. What gives you a passion? What you, do ask you ask me that? Like? And you find that when you find that they get that answer, then they, they run in terms of their, um, you know, skill set, their ability and where they want to go. I, I remember being in year 11. Yeah. And you asking me, oh, what are you
1: going to do you go to college? And me being like, oh, I don't know. I liked every subject and you was like, Okay, but if you had to do one subject all the time, what would it be?
3: Yeah. And that's well, actually true. the most. Yeah. yeah, and that
1: was literally how I was able to like spin mm. on, on my career. I do it all
3: the time. I used to do it all the time with my students and I found that it was foolproof in helping them to realise their potential. Because sometimes what I think happens is that a lot of um, students, in particular black, students are told that they're not good at something or they're told you need to do this or even by their parents as well, they're forced to do something they don't really love so they don't give it the 100%. Mm. And I, I can honestly say that I had a lot of students, in particular Asian students, that used to come into me after being told they, by their parents they had to be doctors mm. who then dropped off out after a year to come and do what they really loved. Do you get what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's something that happens all the time whereby a lot of students... Well, not even students, but a lot of people are told that they can't do something, but they're never given that support to let them realise what their potential is. Mm. So I think that's what my calling was. Well, they're kind of talking about
1: how he was giving other people opportunities, mm. and I think that a positive to growing up black in the UK mm. is that if you search properly, there are like lots of opportunities for I hate oh, this word, but like BAME people. I'm not BAME. I'm black.
3: Yeah.
1: Um. And I think for me, I know I definitely benefited from schemes to do with that or yeah. scholarships to do with that and things like that. So, Grant, when when you came over here, mm. what were like bit like really what are some of the um big opportunities you were able to take? take hold of? And what was the impact?
3: For me, that's a difficult question because I don't remember any opportunities in my era that I could come across that said, you're going to be able to do this scholarship or you're going to be able to do this course free. They probably had things like, I don't know, brownies, not brownies, but you know, like uh, Duke of Edinburgh Awards stuff and whatever, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't anything major in my era that I can think of, somebody might be able to enlighten me on that, whereby you were told there's this... You know, like, the BBC have a scheme for black people who they want to um, raise their profile in the industry. There wasn't things like that back in my day. Mm. There's, I, there's nothing I no, can think no. of... Off the top of all I can remember in my era was I had to work twice as hard as my counterpart to get to where I wanted. So mm-hmm. the story about two portfolios when everybody's bringing one is a classic example of what I'm talking about. And even when I was in art school, I had to make sure that I worked twice as hard and did much more work than everyone else mm-hmm. to even be recognised in terms of my creativity, even though I was good.
1: But how, do you think that's a subconscious thing? Because no. like I remember going to uni, yeah. yeah. And doing similar things, so like yeah. they would say, you don't need a portfolio. <laughs> I still brought a portfolio, uh-huh. or they would say to me, you only need to have one piece of one piece of example of your writing, and I would bring a book of examples of my writing. I did like layouts. I did everything I knew the topics would cover for three years. Yeah, I had an example of in this book that I brought. So I feel like I did, When looking back, I can't tell you what made me feel like I had to work harder than everybody else. Like I didn't feel I didn't feel like I was ever told from my mum, you're gonna have to work harder than your white counterpart. But I felt I feel like within I me sub- I always com- had that.
3: I think for me subconsciously I felt I had to because you of what to, I experiences I encountered. Mm. So I knew that if I just gave one picture in a portfolio I'd not stand a chance. Whereas yeah, my white what? counterpart just needed a brilliant drawing and they'd get they'd get in. Mm. And yeah. that's what I'm talking yeah, about. I'm subconsciously before, yeah. I knew that if I didn't Goal, 110%. It was more than achieved. likely I wasn't going to get to that goal I yeah, wanted yeah, yeah. as a black person. Yeah. Um, you... talk about in my era.
1: Yeah. This is the Dope Black Women Podcast. If there was anything you would change about your early years in the UK, what would it be?
2: The opportunity that I would like to take, as I said, is that I, I love, um, love um, dressmaking. I want to do designing. You know, and the other thing that I love is teaching.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm. I would like to do that if I had the opportunity to do so. I like talking, talking to people, mm. and that was good. Yeah. Nursing is the other thing again as well. I like caring, but the thing about it is, is, is just the blood. <laughs> well, <laughs> so then you put me into it. How do you? I did a part of it. You know. I did. did you? Yes, I did. Um. I did. Um. Oh gosh, I forget what you call what that you call it. Um, the, the
1: healthcare system.
2: Not healthcare. I work into um when Springfield office uh, um hospital was down here. I work in the um I I forget what you call that department. Not with the mad people.
3: That's, not mad that it's, it's not the, mad man,
0: that people
2: mental with mental health. Mental health. health, health. health. Yes. I work with them, you know, and um. My other job that I love as well, that was, oh, wow. um, I was, uh, I did um, nursing eggs, a clinic on egg salary.
3: Um, it was more or less a receptionist one. you worked in a clinic where you basically, um, Yes, but was I, front I, of the house or something, I had
2: to um, book in the mothers, the babies and all of those things. Mm. And um it was a very good job. I like it because um, they were about to send me to um college to do type in day release. Mm. And that was the time I gave up my job for Venetia and mm-hmm. yeah. and, and um Leila. And, and Leila mm. because um
3: we were doing when they
2: were going to do their degree they wanted was to um to bore them out, you know, to be cared for and I said, No, it's not going to happen. So I start taking them to school and they were with me. Yes, they were living with me. I take them and mm. they were living with me in Tooting, and I have to take them to school in the mornings and then I have to reach um, at my job for nine o'clock because I have to set up the the, the, the doctor's room and. Oh, you like. asked I, them. I'm what? Yes. Did you? Yes. I can't remember that. I, yes, I was working at. Um, road and clinic. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to set up the the the, the doctor's room and get out all the, the immunisation and everything, and it has to be dead at nine.
1: So for people listening, Venetia and Leila, Venetia is my mum. Yes. But Venetia
2: and Leila are your grandchildren. Yes, grandchildren, yeah. grandchildren. And so I have sister Donna. I u- used to carry them there to sister Donna, and she dropped them off at school for That's me, so that I can right. get to work for nine. So. When I was in Tootin, I said, well, I'm going to transfer to Amen Corner. Mm. That is our health clinic. But the work there was heavy because you have to do two sessions a clinic on a Tuesday because there were so many people. You understand that, that one clinic. And I find it was too much for me. And one morning I spoke, one day I spoke to the, the, the nursing officer. And she said, "Oh, Yula, you got to give up your job for, 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 grandchildren. When these children come, they're not going to do so and so, and you have a future and whatever it is. And I really love the job because even doctors, the doctors, they commend, you know, commend um me all the time to my boss, you know, that you have a very good receptionist there. She's at the phone and now she speaks to people and things like that." Do you, I, look I, looking back, do you regret doing that? No, I don't regret. You know, mm-hmm. I regret in a sense that the only regret you regret, you would get two pensions. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't regret in a sense because I what I what I able to impart to my two grandchildren. You understand, it will remain with them for for life, mm. and I would not regret one minute of it because I didn't have an ex-person into their life, or was a part of their life in the early stage of mm. their life, you know? And um, until this day, they don't forget it and I don't forget it. Mm.
3: I think also I should intercept her and say, Mum, that your sacrifice that you made at that yes. time was absolutely amazing because yes. you allowed two of your daughters to achieve their ambitions yes, yes. in relation to finishing their degrees. Yes, I mean, I remember yes. when I was doing my degree, I did not have to worry about babysitting to, or having to get home to a child. Hard, yeah. And I, this is, my work ethic was, I used to work right through yeah. till sometimes 11 o'clock the college was closing and they had to come and get me out of the room because yeah. that's how hard I used to work. And that kind of went through into yeah, in, in, yeah, in my work. Yeah. But I think more than anything, i am always been grateful to the fact that you sacrificed that, time of your life to um allow myself and my sister yeah who's now in america yeah to achieve our goals but i think it kind of swings in roundabouts one because in a way one thing you can say about which maybe a lot of mothers don't have well for you anyway is that you have your family are very closely tied to you you know we always look up to you and um we do look after you as well don't yes, we yes, i think yes, i think yes. you, you don't want for anything yes. and i think it's an example of how grateful we are in terms of the sacrifices yes. you made i yeah. yeah. never
2: regret i never regretted one one moment do you it, i mean because i mean um you know i i was dear for them and nobody did i mean when it come to pauline and patsy they, did, they didn't have to Worry at no time at all. They, mm. it, because those children stay with me all the time. Yeah, they stay. Do stick. you
1: think that communities me are as strong and as close now as they were before.
2: No, mm. no, no. Because you, you, you find that parents today, they want to be like their children. Because yeah. parents have their children young and they want to be like their children. They don't make that sacrifice no more. You don't find that no more. That's mm. true. Not even grandparents is doing that no more. mm you understand what I mean? Because they just want to get on with their life, they just don't want to do it. But I am glad because um, from zero to five is very important in a child's life,
3: mm.
2: and I'm glad to know that nobody outside of the family, you understand what I mean, has ever Had take a part of my two grandchildren, my two first grandchildren. In life. Yeah, I was de- I was there for them.
1: What do you, What do you
2: think are some of the big changes as to why?
1: the communities aren't as close-knit as before.
2: Well, I the, 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 the thing about it is, being a mother, it means sacrifice. Mm. And if a person is going to have a child and you don't decide to make sacrifice, don't have, don't be, have a child. Because number one, you cannot have the things then that you used to have when you're single. Number one, you cannot live the way you used to live, because all of those things you, is for your child. And uh, a mother means sacrifice. Mm. And this generation don't make up their mind to do that. Mm. You understand what I mean? They'll have their child and they want to live the same way and have everything same way. What do you mean by that, mom? Well, I simply means by that, that, for instance, when you're a single parent, you can go out there and buy a pair of shoes for 80 pounds. Mm-hmm when you have a child you can't afford to do that
3: mm-hmm.
2: because you have to think that what you use to spend on yourself you some of that have to go and spend people. on the child and if you don't spend on the child you have to put some down for that child but later on in that child's life as a child to get older whether you want your child to go private school or nursery or whatever it is you 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 just have to be different so it is best if you think of having a child and you enjoy your life first, you understand me? Because mm-hmm. when you have that child, you understand what I you mean? You have to make sacrifices at yeah. that child. You have to think of, think of it differently because the moment a child reaches an age and you maybe you want to go back to work, you have to think of nursery, you have to think of this, you have to think of that.
3: Mm-hmm. You
2: understand me? Yeah. So that's why I said being a mother. Mm. it means sacrifice mm-hmm. and this generation don't make up their mind to do that because for instance if you have a child as a young person you love to go to parties <laughs> when you have the baby you're going to, after you have the baby you want to go to parties same way you want to do everything the same way and that child is missing out mm. and so that's why you find that this generation is different completely yeah the closeness that the closeness that my children have with me mm. you understand to me you find this generation don't have that closeness with their parents mm. because I was there for them. I work from home. Mm. I, I wouldn't allow nobody to look after when Pauline was. I remember when Pauline I stayed, Pauline was the first one here that born. And I did not go out to work until Pauline was one year. And I was very fussy where hygiene concerned with my children. So I have this minder that's looking after Pauline. And they we call it a base in Jamaica. They call it a bowlier. Mm-hmm. So I get a little bowl. I get our flannel. I get everything. That when I take her to our child minder, if she needs a little water to tidy her down or whatever it is, she have my own bowl mm-hmm. and my whole base and things like that. And I used to work in the... The uh all my, my jobs that I do, it's the West End.
3: Mm. What would you say
1: I was what would you say was some of the the best parts about motherhood?
2: The best part of motherhood is to dear to care for your child yourself. You understand what I mean? To see that child take the first step. Mm. You know? Mm. And because from not to five is very important in a child's life. And so I was one at work one day, so we do piece work, you know? Mm-hmm. When I mean, piecework, they give you a bundle, a dress, okay, a four mean. or five, and you have to finish those five for the day. Mm-hmm. You understand? And so, while I was there working, and it's just like somebody come and talk to me, go home straight away, go go to mm-hmm. get Pauline. Mm-hmm. And believe you me, I could not resist that spirit was speaking to me, and I went to Mr. Davis, he was our boss. And I said, Mr. Davis, could you allow me to go home now, please? Mm-hmm. And he said, but you don't finish. I said, I'll take some of the work home with me mm-hmm. and do it at home and bring it. Because you're allowed to take home work, sew it at home and bring it back. Yeah. So I said, I'll take home some and bring it. And as I get off the train, and I rush to, to Mail Road, right, I was been at Kelly Road, and rush to Mail Road, right where... The, the looking after Paul, the lady looking after Pauline. And she said, Miss Carl, what are you doing here so early? I said, No, I'm let off early today. When I go, the bowl that I gave her, she have it on the floor with water. And those days they never have social worker who check on them. Yeah. They can have seven eight children. Yeah. And she up all the children around her and the flannel that i gave her to wash <laughs> my child <laughs> she had the, the same flannel in washing everybody wiping all the children brother.
1: oh my gosh so something in your spirit told you you need to go there and get your child take them yes, home ma'am.
2: and i take i take the bowl <laughs> and i take everything and i say sorry i'm i'm taking her home i told the morning i told her i'm not taking her back there Mm-mm. you understand me mm. And then I take her to a childminder, and I still never satisfy. And from then on, I said, no way, I am going to work from home to look after my children. Mm. Granny, did
1: you ever t- talk to your kids about racism?
2: Yes, we talk about it. They know it. They know about it. We talk about it.
1: But at what point did you think it was important to do that? Because I don't remember having any conversations <clears throat> with my mum
2: about is, that. It's important all aspects of their life, because sometimes when they... They, they tell me of situation that um happened at, at school or university or whatever it is and i says that don't matter how you see these children sometimes the children they or the white children them. oh you don't have to do this and do that i said don't take no note of them you understand because mm-hmm. sometimes they finish the work already and telling you that yeah. i said always aim to work harder than them you understand what mm-hmm. i mean because at the end of the day they can always mess about and they get a good job. And you have your they get, you have your qualification, and they get a better job than you. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you have to work twice time harder than the white. In in, in your experience, and just take both of you, um, what what
1: do you think? What do you think is some of the biggest change you've seen in terms of the black experience in the UK?
2: Well, the biggest change that I've seen that um, our children today can be able to achieve more than in the fifties, sixties and the eighties de- de- coming de- up and de- definitely de- can, de- can de- achieve more, more because I mean they said um the, 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 the English is uh, is is um aware that we realise that racism exists. Mm. You understand it's more open up now. Yeah. More than back there. You yeah. understand they were trying to cover it up. But it's more open up now. Yeah. And our black children today, this generation is aware of it and they cannot miss about. Because um, once they see it they are going to expose it. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, they they have a better chance, even more than children in the fifties and the sixties and the eighties.
3: I think um mm-hmm. I would just add to that mum what yes. mom said is Absolutely, spot yes, on. Yes, that there are much more opportunities they now yes, than there was when I was growing up, yes, yeah. and it is getting better and better. Don't get me wrong, we've yes. been talking about oh, we've yes. been disadvantaged, blah blah blah. Yes. It is getting better and better, yeah. but my problem is it's not quick enough. Yeah, in that yeah. you've this has been going on since year dot yes. from when my mum came over, yes. and yet we're just taking little tiny steps, yeah. And even though I think the Black Lives Matter Movement has really helped to spiral it a bit more forward. Mm. Sometimes I feel there's parts of that that's tokenistic, mm, like, yes. "Oh let's do this. Oh, I've read this book. I yes. think we should do this." <laughs> you know? please yeah. be real don't just do it because you want to show that you care yeah genuinely care prove yeah. it to me do you be understand o- what i'm authentic. saying yeah. yeah be authentic and I, I sometimes feel that some of it is not authentic it's just there to make it look like mm. let's keep them quiet and do what it is yeah. they want. no i
1: agree with you i think there's a, a blogger um mm. do you know what that is running
3: mm. what no
2: no
1: do you know what a blogger is uh-uh Basically, someone who has a platform yes. that shares lots of content on it. Oh, yes. So, I could have an Instagram account yes. and I share lots of stuff about fashion, oh, yes. lots yes. of pictures. Yes. So I'm a fashion blogger, oh. but like there was a blogger called Jackie Aina, she's really famous. Yes, and she basically did a campaign during the Black Lives Matter movement where yes. she called out lots of brands yes. that were putting up the Black Square, yes,
3: yes.
1: Um, which was meant to be like represent, like saying they represent black people, black culture, and they're standing yes. with things yes. that have been going on, they're standing in solid- solidarity with black people. Mm. And she was calling them out and saying, how can you stand with us today, but you've never ever used black people in your campaign? Yes, yes. You've yes. never ever posted black people That's online. Yes. You've, done, you've been called out for this racist thing, or yes. you're, you're, you've got a reputation for having, you know, racism t- t- um, racism being communicated to your staff, etc, etc, etc. So I really agree with that. But mm. what, Fernand, what, what do you think we, can be, be done next? Like what, how do you think we can move on from the current situation? We're in Me, now? I
3: personally feel the first... Port of course is education. Mm. Mm. Unless you educate the ignoramuses around us, amongst us to understand that we're all equal and, more importantly, that we have a history too. Mm-hmm. It's not just your history, it's our history too. Mm-hmm. And that it's actually put out there within the educational curriculum, mm-hmm. we're, we're not going to move forward. Because mm. at the moment, we've got history that's told by them. We haven't got any history that talks about us and how we've got here. And so for that reason, we won't move forward unless the English or our Caucasians admit that, you know, colonisation has made them superior to us and that we need to kind of look at how we can change that. Mm -hmm. And they have to be honest with themselves first to tell the story. Mm -hmm. They can't just do What they're doing at the moment, oh, offering a few million or a thousand here and a two thousand here. We go, we can help you with this. Oh, no, no, it's not just talk, that. No it's not, the not just it that. Putting me. a statue in a museum and telling me this is what he did in slavery, but still acknowledging him as a hero, mm-hmm. don't help me. Yeah, I don't agree with that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you, do you think, know? Granny? Well, I think the same. You understand? It. I,
2: it, the thing about it is now, in this um, century that we are into, um white people is exposed so much for what they have done to the blacks and other nationalities that they cannot cover it up no more mm. you understand That's what i mean they cannot cover it up no more it is wide open you think of oxford university that as a black person don't matter how you have a qualification you cannot get there so easily mm. you understand what i mean eh? and they were being exposed you understand what i mean they, 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 the black has rights there just like anybody else mm-hmm. you understand me so they cannot cover it up no more it is hoping up now you understand to me because most of what these this country here possessed, you know is what they go to other countries like africa the west indies and all those things they take from there to build themselves up here you understand Absolutely. You and all these things are exposed yeah you understand me so what we suffer in the seventies and all these things when we come here as black people. This generation is not going to happen to them because they are not going to accept it.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, Nan, mm. this is my final question to you now. Mm. What what do you hope that I can go on to do and achieve that you didn't get to do? Um
3: I think it's important that if you're good at something that you can be represented at the top. Mm. At the moment, I don't think that happens. So I would like to know that you and people like you who are good at what you do and excel are given the opportunity um, to be able to excel um, genuinely rather than just tokenistically. Do you understand what I'm getting at? So that's my probably um, aspiration is that we're seen for, as human beings in the first instance, as for opposed our, to the colour for, that's, our, for our work yeah. rather than the colour of our skin. Mm-hmm. Because that's what the, 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 the barrier is at the moment, I feel, is that they look at our skin first before they look at our ability and our knowledge and our skill set. That yeah. happens Illiterate a lot. No, 100%.
2: Just the colour, and you see the thing about it is, if you look at the sole of your feet, it's never black enough.
3: Mm. Mm.
2: It's not black, it's white. Yeah. It makes it sure that we're all equal. Mm. We're all equal people. It's just pigment. Make a difference. Yeah. And
1: for you, Granny, what, what legacy do you want to leave for me and the family?
2: Well, I want the legacy to leave to me and my, fam- my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and the whole family that stand up for what is right. Because we are all equal in the sight of God. And yeah. whatever the white can mm. achieve, you can achieve it too. Or never feel yourself that you cannot achieve you can achieve anything that the white Absolutely. man out here, you understand, can achieve. And you anything must always please. aim high. You understand? Because it is out there for all of us. We are all equal in the sight of God.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: That, that was really cute. Yeah. 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 That's all for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Woman one And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at DopeBlackWomen. So that's all for today. Until then, stay all the way black.
2: Black Blackity black. Blacktastic.
3: Yay! (laughs)
1: About the cars?
2: Yes. Did you just fart? Why not? Oh she my gosh! Time. <laughs> no. Stand. you got out of
1: order. I must
2: read something.
1: You couldn't even say excuse me.
2: You
3: don't hear nothing. I right? heard it. No. Yeah, I did. Oh my goes, Sorry. if mom should take the phone off the hook.
0: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too.